0: Right, welcome back, and I hope everybody's well. Today is here in Taiwan, Wednesday, December 2nd, 2020, the year of vision and challenge and moral testing. And today I want to get to another topic. Uh, last couple of weeks uh, in the post Sutta Nepata phase, <clears throat> talking about um, ox herding, pictures and uh, the meek uh, inheriting the earth Uh, today the title as you can see from the podcast or the uh, YouTube um, will be the golden rule and moral basis Uh, a deep deeper plunge into the bases of morality the nature of morality the golden rule as a statement of morality uh, reciprocity uh, forms of the golden rule <clears throat> and and the whole question of why why should I be moral with this you know acting a certain way we call moral, why should I be that way, and where um these moral injunctions are based, the basis of moral injunction or ethical teaching like the golden rule uh, this uh is going to be drawn mainly from wikipedia uh which I think is actually, you know, a good platform for non-political <laughs> philosophical topics to some degree. Uh, it's sort of like, what, we, what can we do with it? Well, I can do a lot with it, frankly. And uh, that's okay. It's not a complete statement, but uh, it'll, it, it offers um, a, a compendium of multiple perspectives on various topics, on each topic. On this page, Wikipedia Golden Rule, it's a long page, and uh, basically, it draws there, there's there's material drawn from uh, traditions of ancient Egypt, uh, India, Greece, Persia, Rome, the Abrahamic religions, the Indian religions, the Chinese religions, the Iranian and new religious movements. Uh, even traditional African, and uh, Scientology has a statement, but I don't think I need to read it. So from the top, uh, their write-up they're saying, the golden rule is the principle of treating others as you want to be treated. It's a maxim, so we'll call this a maxim, uh, found in most religions and cultures, can be considered an ethic of reciprocity in some religions, although different religions treat it differently, uh, the maxim may appear as a positive or negative injunction, meaning command or uh, demand or request, governing conduct. So there are three ways it can be, you know, or there are many ways, but there are three main ways it's been understood to be stated. One is positive or directive. Two is negative or prohibitive. Three is empathetic or responsive. And that, all of those come from a book of, by a man named Anthony Flew, F-L-E-W, called Golden Rule. In, it's actually not a book, it's, uh, or some part of a book maybe, but it's in the Dictionary of Philosophy from 79, which again, it's subjective, uh, takes on the objective, and we talked about that this morning. Um, uh, each of us has a subjective, moderately, more or less, subjective interpretation of uh, universal truths. That's what we're trying to do. That's view. That's called right view. And that's uh, according our personal view of self and life and path, along with what is take what is given as universal truths in religions and various traditions, that, as we said, um, can also be or are inevitably subjective interpretations. But there are subjective interpretations that are extremely non-distorted. So subjective can be... Non-distorted, <laughs> when when manas and buddhi are at one, <clears throat> or manas is the minister and buddhi is the king, the the um, personal subjective uh, intellect, logical, rational, f- calculating mind function manas uh, is uh, in, is subordinated, rightly subordinated to wisdom, buddhi. Or discriminative awareness being able to sense and see and and articulate universals that ultimately become non-dual or or are of non-dual because the universal is transpersonal and meaning it's not a personal property and possession or a personal trait it's like if somebody says oh that's you did a good job somebody can say thank you because they're acknowledging that it's um, a kind statement to say you did a good job, but you can also um, consider that there's no need for a thank you, or or a thank you. Uh, you can you can. There's a need for there's no need for anything. But <laughs> but if you want to say thank you, say thank you. But that it's not a personal thanking. It's not a personal gift. It's like if you give me five dollars, I can say thank you. But if you say I think that teaching was good or clear, you can say you're welcome <laughs> too. But <clears throat> there's another. Process. There, there's another dynamic in play there, which is a statement is what it is. A statement is um, distorted, non-distorted, personally true, universally true, um, as it is, um, whether you like it or not, whether it's thanked or not. And it's not even a personal thanking to say you spoke clearly, because that would be some statement of presumably a universal that yes the statement was true and you're and clear and therefore it's not even a personal thanking it's just a statement and so you say thank you spoke clearly or that was good you can say you're welcome (laughs) um but in a sense you can say yes that's true (laughs) it's true i think it was true and i like it too and um you're kind to say so um but i don't take it as a personal um meaning the personal is simply that I could conform myself to a universal. So anyway, the three forms of this maxim golden rule, one is the common way we hear it in the West. Two is actually uh, closer to how it was originally phrased um, before Yeshua in Eastern cultures, particularly, which is the negative form. And then the third is some kind of more recent understanding. So the positive directive form that's most common in the West is, treat others as you'd like others to treat you. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. The prohibitive or negative form, which actually is closer to the original, which goes back to Gong, gong Fu Most likely this started with Confucius, or at least uh, we're looking at the time 500 years before Yeshua, 2500 years ago, 500 B.C. or B.C.E. before Common Era. That's the negative so-called or prohibitive form. Do not treat others in ways you'd not like to be treated, meaning don't do unto others as you wouldn't have them do to you. Don't do to others what you don't want them to do to you. It's interesting that that was close, that seems to have been the original form in many traditions, you'll see. Then it was changed, and it is less problematic than the affirmative, (laughs) which is do to others as you want them to do to you, and close to the end of the page, you'll see there were a couple of criticisms. Um, very heavy hitters who came in. Uh, Immanuel Kant, Kant Mr. Kant, and uh, Mr. Nietzsche, um, the famous uh, skeptic or nihilist, who actually had a good heart. And I think he drove himself crazy. And I'll tell a story from his life or a tale of close to the end of his life, which shows something interesting. So... Uh, they too came in with heavy criticism, They're both heavy, heavy philo- philosophical minds came in with strong criticism against this, but it's particularly against the affirmative or positive form, meaning do to others what you want them to do to you, clearly we can see the problem, right, uh, <clears throat> if I want you to, um, it's like if I'm upset, I don't want you to come for me, actually, in general. Because I personally scott don't want you to interrupt my process, I'm okay. I can handle my grief and misery, um, but don't try to stop it because you don't want you don't feel comfortable with me continuing it, so they're treating me as they would want to be treated, but that isn't how I want to be treated and so reflexively treating others as you want them to treat you is absolutely problematic, and so it was rightly criticized, and no wonder that wasn't per- uh, it it's likely that was not the original form the original form is don't do to others what you don't want them to do to you <clears throat> which is um has a wider coverage but that's has some issues there too the the so-called empathetic third form what you wish upon others wish upon yourself or what you wish for yourself wish for others may all beings be well and happy why because i want to be well and happy why Should I treat them or care for them or feel for them or wish for them as I would wish them to feel or, you know, feel for me? Why? Then we get to moral basis. So the first half here, and this may go two weeks, is uh, explication or unpacking of multiple perspectives on this so-called golden rule. It wasn't always called the golden rule. (laughs) Of course. It wasn't. It was just one of confucius's uh, pearls of wisdom Gongsu was a good guy and a very uh, he was a, some some people can consider him an ethical humanist the first ethical humanist or one major ethical humanist without invoking god although he did have some sense of heaven for sure and a higher source a greater a universal source to our uh, human personal social process uh, but it didn't invoke a deity in the same way that the uh, later Western traditions did, which basically turned it uh, from the prohibitive to the affirmative. And so um, the first major paragraph says, the idea dates at least back to early Confucian times, 551 to 479 BCE. According to a Rushworth kidder, who hopefully is not kidding around, He identifies the concept appearing prominently in Buddhism, Islam, Christianity, Hinduism, Judaism, Taoism, Zoroastrianism, and, quote, the rest of the world's major religions. And so, that's kind of trope. And uh, another fellow said, it's a concept that essentially no religion misses entirely, but belief in God is not necessary to endorse it. Right. That's that's where we get ethical humanism or uh, secular humanism, uh, ethical culture not based on deism or theism. So, can be found, another Simon Blackburn said, can be found in some form in almost every ethical tradition. Right. Now, just as a uh, a notice, uh, how many people around, or at least, uh, what I see is, uh, in general, people treat each other this way in the world. But we're dealing with people around in the world who are not in general, at least where in my life, they're not in positions of social authority where they're strongly exercising power over others in their authority, position, or capacity. Shopkeeper, (laughs) taxi driver, restaurant server, uh, cook, uh, cleaner, uh, neighbor, uh, (laughs) you know, uh, laoban, <laughs> Minsu owner here, Laoban means old something, the owner of a Minsu or a b&b or Minsku. Uh, I don't see these people um, uh, unethical. Generally, people are decent to me and I'm decent to them. But in general, <laughs> it seems online in discussion groups, <clears throat> there's a lot of wrong speech, a lot of harsh and malicious speech. And politically, huge deception. And so the higher you get in the human social pecking order, it seems the less this rule is applied. It's the, uh, the, the golden rule has been tarnished uh, or is uh, buried under uh, human, uh, <laughs> human garbage. Uh, the garbage of um, human distortions generated out of greed and, and insecurity, the uh, aggression that comes out of weakness and vulnerability, a sense of weakness and vulnerability, and a lot of people falling into wrong action and not applying golden rule. Wrong speech, wrong action is rampant, all right? <laughs> the corruption of uh, every nation's uh, polity, political base political body, the polity, P-O-L-I-T-Y, uh, is massively corrupt uh and every institution the higher you get the more corrupt meaning dishonest and um uh unjust or illegal <laughs> criminal they seem to be the players from the middle levels up uh, but any even small authority you know councils of uh, shire councils in the uk the uk shire councils uh you have all sorts of grandstanding and and uh arm-twisting and manipulation and power-tripping. <clears throat> so the Golden Rule doesn't seem to be much in evidence um, in in any kind of uh, institutional structure, or at mid-level and upper levels. It's rare, it seems. And rare, increasingly rare, it seems to me. This kind of moral principle, the application of this moral principle seems to be quite rare in global institutions of this current day this is the decline of the dharma and uh, the end times of the 3d cycle things fall apart as was said and <clears throat> yet um in daily life i don't see i see most people treating me kindly as i treat them and it, it's profoundly a ba- it's a it's a very serious basis of society just, you know, I'm standing in the in the supermarket or I'm standing in the post office uh, and there's somebody in front of me. Well, they don't knock me to the ground. <laughs> I don't uh, go there and rob the, the cash register. <clears throat> uh, there are a lot of... Uh, there's great uh, adherence to uh, this ethical principle of reciprocity in daily life. It's happening everywhere. People... Um uh, not acting badly uh because they wouldn't want others to act badly around them and now the increasing bad acting or bad actor actors bad acting uh, of uh human inter human gatherings and groups and forums and meetings and increasing lack of civility is um getting to more and more non-power oriented um, uh, situations or transactional uh, transactions meaning interactions meaning connections or dealings of people with each other Um, common civility and decency is based in this golden rule and one of the versions of it any of the three so uh, etymology saying the golden rule or golden law began to be used widely in the early 17th century so 16 first half of the 1600s by in the UK Britain by Anglican theologians and theologians and preachers and the earliest was uh, in 1604 and so that's interesting now we get to uh, multiple sources now Uh, ancient Egypt it starts with the ancient world ancient Egypt india greece persia rome and i'll just touch on these and keep moving um so it seems that there was um, a story called the eloquent peasant back to the middle kingdom uh long before (laughs) gongsi 2040 to 1650 bce Uh, those were the days so 3500 years ago plus 35 to 4000 years ago and this is in the uh, association with Ma'at, and then the quote is, now this is the command, do to the doer to make him do. That doesn't quite sound like, (laughs) do to him as you'd like him to do to you, Uh, and that's the affirmative. I'm not sure quite what that, what they mean, but uh, here, do to the doer to make him do. Well, uh, that cause him to do. Uh, it certainly has some, uh, it, it, acknowledges the, the, the essential reciprocity involved in all relationship. You sow the, you reap the seeds you sow, uh, you get the treatment you deserve. You get the treatment you co-create. You get the relationship you co-create. <clears throat> uh, uh, when you're blameless, or um, highly sensitive to virtuous activity, right speech, right action, it's certainly um, more likely that's what you'll get in return. So, do to the doer to make him do <clears throat> is, is a very strange kind of phrasing to me. Uh, treat people in the ways, uh, in, in ways that will influence them to treat you as you wish to be treated. Influi- uh, uh, act upon people or speak and act with people in the ways that uh, make it most likely they'll treat you the way you wish them to treat you. Now <clears throat> negatives do that too. So if you treat humanity like slave animals, stupid fools, slave morons, um, many of them will com- <laughs> will out coll- will, will comply. And, and um, if you treat the people like idiots, a certain portion of the population will comply and and become um, unthinking um, reactive only and and lose the capacity for independent thought. If you treat them like slaves, a certain percentage will act like slave. So negatives uh, know that too. So that's behavioral conditioning, right? BF Skinner and the Pigeons. So <clears throat> uh, if you want... Good treatment, treat goodly. If you want love, uh, be loving. If you want money, be generous. Right Back to the very core principles of uh, karmic operation. And that's key in Buddhism. The karmic root of wealth is generosity. The karmic root of beauty is kind speech. Kindly mind makes the face pretty. Just like people... After sex, after loving sex, the face has changed. Yep, yep, yep. And so uh, you can read mind by face, of course. However, <laughs> it's uh, one needs certain skills because it's not always, uh, appearance is not always uh, uh, sincere or <laughs> things are not as they appear, nor are they otherwise. Uh, that's another matter. But in general, yeah, this early instance here. Seems to understand that people treat us in association with how we're treating them. And since you want them to treat you in a positive way, one needs to guide one's speech and action accordingly. And this is said here the proverb embodies the do ut des, do ut des principle. What's that? Uh, <laughs> it's from Rome, Roman religion which is sort of an anti sort of a oxymoron because they were so political and power and human only they were the romans were good at aqueducts but i don't think they were very good at metaphysics or um, bhakti <laughs> bhakti was gone in the roman empire i would imagine do do ut des equals i give that you might give so that's just straight up exchange theory and that's where a lot of people or uh, that's the philosophical basis for a lot of religiosity. I go to church so that God will reward me. I don't do X, Y, and Z, so I won't get punished. I treat you this way, so you give me what I want. That's called conditional um, behavior. It's conditional based on expected return. And there's a difference between hoped for a return and expected return. If I treat you kindly... I know it's more likely that you'll treat me kindly in return. I don't. Uh, I, I hope for it. Based on my analysis of you and your character and our dynamics here, I have somewhat of a reasonable expectation that it's probable that you'll treat me kindly when I treat you kindly. I don't demand it, though. And I'm not treating you kindly <clears throat> based only on my hope or, or somewhat sensed expectation that you'll likely treat me well too but I want to treat beings uh, uh, well (laughs) and um, that's another basis and so when we get to the longer this will definitely go two weeks when we get to the issue of moral basis moral basis is a big deal uh, because uh, commonly moral basis is weak, weaker than people realize and that's why moral behavior suffers or immoral behavior proliferates Immorality proliferates when there's weak moral basis. Moral bankruptcy is because one hasn't really clarified um, uh, values, ethical values, meaning it's not clear to people what they value. And lots of people are unclear about themselves. <laughs> then one of the deeper uh, zones of uh, murky unclear, uh, confusion is my moral of scale of values. And when you watch certain kind of uh, TV series, like the great triad of uh, colony, uh, Revo- Jericho, Revolution, and Colony, the triad of Jericho, Revolution, and Colony, not the Colony, but Colony, which I recommend to everybody, <clears throat> uh, you can see endless moral challenges, one after another, after another, after another, after another. You have to lie to protect somebody, You have to do something harmful to someone who doesn't deserve it to bring some benefit or prevent harm to someone who also doesn't deserve harm. So you have to hurt somebody innocent to protect somebody who's also innocent that you love more than the one you're going to be hurting. Uh, All sorts of crazy, very challenging moral testing. And honestly, it's very possible as an addendum that indeed... We will be facing many of these moral test challenges, moral testing opportunities, or points of moral uh, testing uh, where there's an ethical challenge. What's right here? What's the right way forward? What's the right, you know, I want to do the right thing, but I can't quite see because both seem wrong. Leaving a beloved to be harmed or harming an innocent. That's my choice. How terrible. I have to harm an innocent to protect a beloved. Wow, how terrible. Or I don't harm so then people would choose to protect the beloved and harm the innocent. Or something like that. That's pretty bitter. And I'm not saying one should do it. I'm not saying at all what you should, 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 or shouldn't do. Figure it out yourself. But um, those three... TV series show endless moral challenge at social, uh, collapse during the time of social collapse, uh, we ourselves may have many of these upcoming in the next few years. So this Roman spirituality of I give you that you might give, um, is certainly, um, reciprocity, it can be uh, as common as bargaining or deal making which is not morality it's just deal making um but there is that aspect to human interaction which is how i treat you influences how you'll treat me and certainly we don't want to be we don't want bad treatment so bang um <laughs> it's more likely we'll have good treatment when we focus on offering good treatment or we'll have Good treatment from others more likely when we uh, stay with right speech, right action, harmlessness, and uh, non-harm. And so, that's do ut des. Now back to golden rule. Um, again, <clears throat> uh, moving up from 3,500 years ago to 2,500 years ago. The reference here is from Mahabharata, and uh, Brispati tells the king Yudhishthira the following from Mahabharata thirteen, one one four eight. One should never do something to others that one would regard as an injury to one's own self. In brief, this is dharma. Anything else is succumbing to desire. <clears throat> this is very <laughs> deep, actually. Uh, so this is 400 BCE to 400 CE, so um, around the time of uh, of Gongzi, Confucius. <clears throat> so number one, the teaching here is don't do to other, don't do to others what you consider injurious to yourself. That that's dharma, <clears throat> and dharma is uh, translated as you know law or truth, it's generally law uh, universal law and so then we have karma as a universal law and reciprocity as a process in which universal law uh, pertains, (laughs) meaning how others treat us is definitely going to be uh, resultant to the cause resultant in a unique way with many variables, resultant from the causal of our treatment of them. And so, don't injure others if you don't want them to injure you. Brief, this is dharma. You can say that this is the heart of uh, sila, which is a harmlessness, ahimsa. This statement that anything else is succumbing to desire is a very uh, subtle, um, reveals to me a very subtle understanding of Desire. Of what desire is? Uh, this is sort of assuming it, it's it's uh, relegating the definition. It, it's defining desire as intrinsically harmful. And now, certainly, there's the desire to help others. There's desire to help oneself. There is a desire. May all beings be well and happy. What's wrong with that? Those are desires. This is a so so. Really, we're talking about the. Mm, this conception of desire is particularly non-dharmic desire. So there's dharmic desire and non-dharmic desire. And so there is um, unwholesome and wholesome uh, and the desire for wholesome and unwholesome. Uh, You have to mm, purify desire to right desire or morally based uh, harmful harmlessness non-harmful desirings before you can be free of desire desire is commonly you see so where Vedanta may root um, transmigration samsara and suffering that needs a moksha mukti liberation right why liberation? liberation from something that we want to, that, that is um, dukkha, mm-hmm. something not good. They trace it commonly back to desire, while Gautama also traces it back to desire in the way of uh, thana, uh craving tanna, leading to clinging upadana, um, very much associated with the very, the very, Ontological reality of the five skandhas as composite factors leading to eighth fetter conceit, manas, or tanamanas, meaning the craved, uh, the craved, the craving basis, subjectivity, or sense of self, that's full of desires, and goes on and on with more desires. And so, <clears throat> okay, desire itself is not really harmful when it's dharmic in line with uh, universal law. Now, there's the universal law of causality and then there's the universal, there are universal laws of achieving uh, liberation or greater consciousness and greater freedom from pain. you got to want to be free from pain or dukkha or stress, one would have to write one's desires, make your desires right. And that's according, this is a an aspect of according your life with your fate. And this is a statement, I think, in I Ching, uh, to accord one's life with one's fate, very Confucius, Confucian. And um, according one's uh, speech, you know, thought, word, and deed, thinking, speaking, doing, with um, not only the plan for this incarnation, which is critical, But the plan or the purpose for incarnation in general, Ross said, the purpose of incarnation is evolution of mind, body, spirit. And the purpose of third density is to learn the ways of love. So here, the critical, the first pass lesson always is green ray. Every single challenging catalyst. Oh, Blackie, the furry psychopath has returned. We call her Betsy, but she's definitely a furry mind, furry small mind. Uh <clears throat> oh, too much emptiness. So, uh, let me see if I can remember where I was. Mm. I can't. <laughs> too much, too much emptiness today. We ha- in the class we just had, we were all forgetting where we what well, we were just thinking. <laughs> we were thinking something, and then we got off to something, and then we thought, where was I? What was I wanting to say? Uh, okay, that's my punishment. Uh, certainly, uh, just, I'll have to reverse then. Um, while there is... <laughs> while while um, Gautama talked about the First Noble Truth as Dukkha, which could be called pain, stress, and dissatisfactoriness, which is the basis of why there's a need for liberation or mukti, moksha, Um, that is traced back to desire, craving, and clinging. And the first clinging, or the first upadana, is ultimately the eighth fetter, if we're coming down from ten... Avidya, ignorance, nine, restlessness, eight, uh, tanamanas, or craving, uh, conceit, I say it's basically the presumption of a separative self or dual, the the basis of dualistic perception, a sense of of an abiding, solid, separate me that needs to be defended, and also is full of um, desires to get more or change and that that um desire is a root of dukkha but there's an interplay simply between the sense of self and um production of desire and the consequent distress or stressfulness of all that uh and so but the basis of um Uh, dharma is very much according um, one's mind according the personal with the universal like we were saying in class before there are level, I mean the person, the subjective despite the uh, presumption of separative subjective or the presumption of separation the uh, believing the illusion of limits and the illusion of substantial selfhood unchanging me. Despite that, still, mind can access universals. And um the critical universals are are really associated with self and path and goal. And that's where these traditions are coming from. But again, um with a deficient view comes deficient motivation to morality. And this is a very important point. When view is confused, so too shall be morality or behavior and more likely to be self-harming whether the person knows it or not. From the Tamil tradition, which I'm not familiar with at all, uh, the 5th century, uh, around um, 1st century BCE, 5th century CE, Valvar, from some book called Part on Virtue, Part, by the way, uh, means skanda. The, the the actual, I believe, Tamil purpose, uh, uh, original use of the word skanda, or one of the early uses of the word skanda, <clears throat> I believe is actually um, section. <laughs> so the five skandhas that combine to give us, a, uh, that, com- that we combine and have this sense of a solid, abiding, separative self. Uh, those skandas are sort of parts they're just um splintered portions that are that come together anyway from kural 3, 316 and 318 do not do to others what you know has hurt yourself so the part of memory and recollection right recollection and 318 why does one hurt others knowing what it is to be hurt Well, absolutely. Some people can override that or we can get to states of mind that override that saying, you know, I I know I'm going to hell, but I'm going to bring you with me. Or uh, I know it's wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. Or I know you, I wouldn't want you to do it to me, but I just can't stop myself from uh, vengeance or vengeance is sweet. I feel vengeance is sweet, even though I wouldn't want you to do it to me. All right. People do override it. And Uh, that's all associated with moral basis. And that's all related to how clearly the person has um, determined their own moral values. And then, verse verse 312, Valuvar, a teacher, I guess, says, it's the determination or code of the spotless, the virtuous, not to do evil, even in return, that's a critical Buddhist teaching, don't return evil, don't return evil for evil. No eye for an eye. It's very clear. Christianity too, the New Testament, uh, very much has rejected the older way, eye for an eye. And Buddhism also rejected. And probably there were there was a split in the Vedantic schools or teachings of Gautama's day, or I mean, even today, where one side says return evil for evil, and another says don't return evil, or only return good for evil. But (laughs) that too um, needs uh, a lot of um, unpacking and analysis uh, because martyrdom is not right action either from a certain perspective, and yet from another perspective it is right action. From below, it's fine. From above, not quite. So it's all very subtle, and obviously anyone's definition of morality is deeply associated with their seven chakra development and their overall uh, development of consciousness and awareness, the degree to which second chakra is spiritualized or influenced by six, the six-two chakra band, the degree to which second chakra is clearer blockages, second and third. So we don't see it, but (laughs) people have different degrees of lower triad blockage. And that's an objective. That's a universal, presumably. And uh, therefore people... um, have a different mental capacity to determine morality. Differential capacity in comprehension. Differential uh, mental development. Mental spiritual. Uh, Particularly related to conditions of lower triad. When the lower is heavily blocked, the higher is quite unactivated. When the lower is substantially unblocked, the higher is of greater activation. And so, some people are walking around with very well-developed green-blue indigo. Some people are walking around with nearly none. Uh, Taking the opinions of those with heavy uh, lower triad blockage, nearly no development of green, blue, indigo, you're getting morality from that perspective. Is it the same? Uh, It will absolutely not be the same as the perspective of those with greater self-taming, like the ox becoming the uh, stable warhorse or the praus, the meek they're not really meek, but the well-disciplined mind, uh, their morality will be quite different. And yet, you can't tell somebody, you're just less developed. You can say it, but they won't hear it, and they won't like it, and yet it's true. You're just less developed than me. Oh my God, what a terrible statement. Well, it's just in time and space, relative truth, that's actually true. It's not the whole truth, but it's relatively true. Uh, That some people are more evolved than others. Oops, but we can't really say that. In this world, they don't know anything. So they think that this opinion and that opinion are equal in that everyone has a right to an opinion. Yes, indeed they do. And some opinions are are produced by well-trained minds and some are produced by very psychopathic or very psychologically damaged minds. And those opinions should be... Understood in re- in relation to the the quality of development of the source. Anyway, this Valuvar says it's the determination or code of the virtuous, not the spotless, which is nice. So, immorality as a taint, and asrava ya <laughs> yeah, an effluent, a um, a defilement, not to do evil even in return to those who've cherished enmity and done them evil. So turn the other cheek uh, or return love for hate. According to him the proper punishment proper punishment to those who've done evil is to put them to shame by showing them kindness in return and to forget both the evil and the good done on both sides. Well uh, that's interesting but you know <laughs> you can say uh, forgive and forget uh, well I think we can forgive but I wouldn't force forgetting and the, the problem with certain teachings like this is that people apply them in a slapdash manner upon themselves. Okay, I will only do good for your evil, or you punch me, and I will smile and say I love you. And then you punch me again, and it goes on and on and on until I'm a bloody pulp. That wise? Is that wise? I don't think so. So, and some people are shameless. So you can't put them to shame by showing them kindness. And this seems to be a love over wisdom formulation. And Ra had said that those without blue ray activation, love over wisdom, green ray, muchly well-developed, but blue not, have a hard time dealing with those clearly on the surface of self path? Yep. And so that's called useful idiot or idiot compassion. Uh, The mental and will, the factors of mind, higher mind and will are... Uh, f- are on uh, are are fallow hmm, uncultivated while green rays well cultivated that person don't know what to do when um a shameless one um uh, uh, comes at them and some are shameless and so i i this whole thing about forget both the evil and the good done on both sides i think is not very helpful uh to force forgetting. Uh, meanwhile, one also can go beyond good and evil. Meanwhile, <laughs> you can't fully be beyond good and evil unless you're clear about good and evil. And good and evil simply means what's wholesome, unwholesome, what's to one's long-term welfare and benefit or not. Now, ancient Greece. Yeah, this will definitely go through classes. I've just let myself speak freely. Ancient Greece, the golden rule in its prohibitive negative form was a common principle in ancient Greek philosophy. And that's, uh, you can be sure there was interplay between India and Greece 2,500 years ago. There's no doubt about it. And um, more than a few sage or philosophers in the uh, Greek world of the 500 years before Yeshua, more than a few had direct interaction with Brahmins and Buddhists. So, and that's where we get this point is that Confucian, Confucius, Gongzi in China, and Heraclitus, and some others in Greece, and <clears throat> Gautama <laughs> and Mahavira in India, 2500 years ago, <clears throat> were all contemporaries. Uh, Gotama, Mahavira in India, uh, Heraclitus, and some others in Greece, uh, Gongzi, and probably Laozi in china how 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 important so 2500 years ago was a watershed time for uh, moral philosophy and and uh, spiritual philosophy in general so okay another fellow i think roth noted as a wanderer tales tales avoid doing what you would blame others for doing now the shameless um feel themselves blameless and can only blame one way. Uh, they can... They, th- this is a very deep statement. If you blame others for certain things, you shouldn't be doing them. Now, that's actually very deep. <laughs> that cuts very nicely. That's a very... Uh, butcher Ting would approve of this muchly. Butcher Ting, the Taoist butcher, who only puts his knife edge, which has um, mass into the hollows between joint and bone and cartilage, which are empty. He would approve of this. Avoid doing, don't do what you blame others for doing. So I don't like this, that, and the other thing from you or others. I shouldn't do them. Well, (laughs) there is a more cynical uh, rebuttal to that, which is humans are evil, everybody's a liar and a criminal. And everybody is greedy and selfish and looking out for themselves, and that's just the way i got to be to be here. And so, sure, I blame you for being an asshole, but I'm me, and I'm better than you. And therefore, I can't be called an asshole because I'm better than you. So goes a certain kind of sociopathic, psychopathic mind. And so they might think that, then they would continue doing what they simultaneously would be blaming others for doing. They're just blaming others universally and um, conceitedly uh, elevating their little self, becoming littler and littler. Uh, But for anybody on the positive path, this is a very very deep formulation, I think. It's a very fine formulation. Taylis was one of special fellow... Uh, don't do what you blame others for doing. Again, it's the negative form. Different than um, don't do what you don't want them to do to you. But it's more in the in the um, wisdom level. It's not some it, it, action. The the reason you wouldn't do what you don't want them to do to you is ultimately that you're blaming them for what they're doing to you, and you're doing the same. So you're going to be blaming yourself. And Gautama said, the, the basic, it seemed to me, my read, the fundamental purpose of morality is to prevent blame, prevent regret, actually self-blame and regret. So the, the basis of Shila, why be of Shila? Because it prevents regret and remorse. Why? Because regret and remorse goes multi-incarnational. There is absolutely karmic guilt. Lots and lots and lots of humans I see have karmic guilt, karmic carryover of regret and remorse from past lives, where they hurt others, hurt self, missed opportunities, wasted their incarnation, and lots of souls are wasting the incarnate, the current incarnation. If you want to smash someone, you just tell them when they do wrong to you, "Are you wasting another incarnation? You're going to waste another lifetime? Haven't you learned? Probably. <laughs> they won't reply cleverly. Uh, it might fritz their circuits. Uh, just, a, just a suggestion. But it's also true. And without will and wisdom, six and five six fifth ray action, one couldn't know that and speak it well. And that's speaking truth to distortion. And it's commonly true. The people who are doing harm now have done harm in past lives. The people who can't stop themselves and also justify it, have some kind of contorted uh, justification for their harmful action that they blame others for doing too, that they continue doing. Um, have this carryover of karmic guilt, regret, remorse, from persistence in akusala dhamma. Persistence in akusala dhamma means persistence in akusala, not wholesome activity. Dhamma or dharma as also ways of living and way of being. That's a big problem. Sextus the Pythagorean, another good guy. What you would not want to happen to you, what you do not want to happen to you, do not do it yourself either. Okay, that's the ornament. What you don't want, don't do. Don't do what you don't do to others what you don't want uh, them to do to you. <laughs> what you don't want to happen to you, what you don't want to experience, don't create. And then finally, Isocrates not I Socrates, but Isocrates like a um, some kind of isomer. Do not do to others that which angers you when they do it to you. So whatever pisses you off in their action or speech, because we're talking about right, thought, word, indeed, deed, is view, speech, and behavior, physical behavior. So when talking about what we might blame others for doing, we're talking about speech and action. When we're talking about anger me when I see it, we're, seeing, we're angry by seeing their speech and action. Don't do the speech and action that you blame others for, for doing, don't do the speech and action that you feel angry when you see them doing. <laughs> okay, that's cool. But there's absolutely, you know, <laughs> serve as a self um, mentality overriding of all those teachings possible. So anyway, this uh, I, I like Taylor's uh, statement of, um, don't do the blame the blame the blame worthy and and one of the highest statements uh, of someone's morality is to say they are blameless one cannot blame them there's no basis for it now some people will always have some basis you know nice guys finish last you're a you're a sucker for being friendly and nice and kindly and generous so so distorted minds think ancient persia palavi texts of zoroastrianism uh, 300 bce 1000 ce I thought it was earlier than that. Anyway, we're an early source for the Golden Rule. And this is from Dadistan One Dinik. um, And Shayast Na Shayast. Quote, that nature alone is good, which refrains from doing to another whatsoever is not good for itself, for that one self nature. So again, in the negative form, So before the time of Yeshua, it seems, most everyone was saying this in its prohibitive form, which is really um, critical. And in many ways, morality can be seen more essential, I think, as do no harm than do good. If you do no harm, that itself is a doing good. (laughs) And, And the basis of doing good is doing no harm actually and then of course we have moral basis which we'll look at next time uh which is why do no harm and do good uh, why and um we'll really see some of the roots of the mindset that the required um personal values um deep personal values scale um of the po- of the positive path and of um Soul evolution in general. That alone, so again, that alone is good, which refrains from doing to another whatsoever is not good for oneself or itself. And then, whatever is disagreeable to yourself, do not do to others. What you don't like, don't do. Fair enough. Ancient Rome, Seneca the Younger, practitioner of Stoicism, these guys were very philosophical, they were fine moral philosophers, expressed the Golden Rule in his essay regarding treatment of slaves treat your inferior as you'd wish your superior to treat you, because (laughs) you're an inferior to your superior. So this is the uh, great spirituality of the Roman Empire with slaves. So, but um, um, there is also the the, uh, essential positionality in relationship of doer and the done to or the giver and the receiver um the superior in this case has more power but it's also a statement of 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 being the doer and giver to us as the receiver versus us as the giver and doer to the slave or the inferior or the other that would be the receiver and so don't give what you don't want to receive um consider what has hurt you so you don't give to others what has hurt you and again some people override that and basically say life is a jungle and uh kill or be killed or eat or beaten, be and that's the way life is and there's no god and so the reversal of all this or or uh, a nihilist um can throw all this away and it was <laughs> Mitch, mr nietzsche himself who um gave some of the strongest criticisms of the golden rule as we'll see down the way so now we have the religious context more religious context from abrahamic religions judaism uh, christianity islam and i would just do some of this briefly and um, pick up in the middle of this next time uh a well-known Torah verse from Leviticus 19:18, "You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against your kinsfolk." What about non-kinsfolk? Love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So that's a positive valuation. That's in the Torah or Old Testament. Hillel said, uh, "What is hateful to you, do not do to your fellow." Right. So again, the negative prohibitive version. This is the whole Torah. The rest is explanation. Go and learn. Uh, And that's in the Babylonian Talmud, (laughs) while it happens to be a very, I think, pure statement of the essence of the Torah, which is the Old Testament, which is different than the rabbinical commentaries of the Talmud. So the Talmud includes some of the Torah, and so it's all very complicated. But uh, this is in line with Gautama saying something like, Uh, Do that which is good and avoid that which is evil. This is the whole of the Dharma. I don't know if he really said it that way, but there is some teaching in Pali Buddhism close to that. And that's very similar. That the whole of the Torah here is don't do what's hateful to your others. What you find hateful, don't do it to others. But down through the centuries, lots of people (laughs) around the world have done to their fellows what they find hateful to have been done to themselves. So... That's another matter, which is (laughs) now we know the golden rule. Now we can look at some of its philosophical bases for those who respect it and some of the overrides of those who neglect it or criticize it. I mean, those who don't like it override it and those who critique it commonly have useful critiques um, but may or may not (laughs) return to some kind of morality. But there's also the question historically... Why has it been, has it or has it not been uh, evidenced through human history, right, the last 3,000 years? Uh, Here or not here? Present or not? Strong or weak? Um, I would say it's present, but doesn't seem to be too widely uh, adhered to or or, uh, practiced. So then others um, in the, the rabbinical literature talked about it. And uh, mm, Leviticus again The stranger who resides with you Shall be to you as one of your citizens You shall love him as yourself For you were strangers in the land of Egypt I am the Lord your God I am El Or Yahweh and so uh, it's nice to see Old Testament using the word love. There is that there, uh, in some places. And so foreigners, as Samaritans and proselytes, proselytes, proselytes as strangers who reside with you, or Jews, uh, was added by Rabbi Akiva. Some of the the rabbinical literature is very very pure wisdom. There's a lot of range there, by the way. And so, um, Rabbi, Akiv, Rabbi Akiva saying, love your fellow as yourself. This is the great principle of the Torah, right? So, um, that sounds very New Testament to me. Uh, love your fellow as yourself. Wow, that was before Ye- Yeshua, I think. I think, I don't know. Anyway, Christianity, of course, uh, we, we have... This Leviticus, statements from Leviticus quoted by Jesus, Yeshua, described by him as the second great commandment. And this is, there. there's another religion somewhere that considered um, this principle as number two. And there's some correspondence perhaps with Ra's three laws, law of free will, law of love, law of light. This could be called the law, it's akin to the law of love. It's, therefore, akin to a second uh, essential cosmological uh, foundation, like the three laws are the foundation of creation, (laughs) manifestation of light and form and differentiation, 10,000 things. Likewise, morally or in terms of um, guidance on path, probably love God or be honest is number one, and then... Uh, number two would be the way of treating others, which is uh based in love, and this is some explanation of the nature of the love basis, but we can go deeper. And but it doesn't seem it's not very clear what Yeshua said. <laughs> uh he said in Matthew seven twelve, Luke six thirty one he called it the second great commandment, uh, but I don't see these quotes here. Uh, in some Old Testament Deutero-cano- deuterocanonical, deuterocanonical, commonly means two, of Tobit and Syrac, uh, part of the scriptural canon by Catholic Church, Eastern Orthodoxy, and non-Chalcedonian churches, Express the negative form again. Do not do. Do to no one what you yourself dislike. Very straight. Do to no one what you yourself dislike. Um, And yet, (laughs) there may be some times when we have to do that uh, for some higher purpose, like to protect a beloved innocent. Recognize that your neighbor feels as you do. And keep in mind your own dislikes. Um, And so... The basis of this definitely is empathy and compassion and sympathy. uh, The second of the four Brahma Viharas, Mudita, um, I believe, (laughs) as uh, compassion. Um, Karuna, I'm sorry. It's Karuna is the second compassion. Mudita is sympathetic joy. Sympathetic joy, mudita, and so-called compassion, sympathy, empathy, karuna, actually, um, are linked, um, by this sense that others are not essentially different than us, um, keep in your mind your own dislikes and recognize that others are similar to you, your neighbor feels as you do, um, uh, there's some statement somewhere in the Bible: um, "Harm no one," for everyone's fighting a hard struggle, something like that, or, or "Do no harm," because everybody is um, has a hard battle or a hard struggle involved. They're involved in that right now. So, I mean, everybody's in suffering. If you hadn't noticed, <laughs> everybody's in dukkha. Of course, it's all dukkha, and uh, the greatest dukkha are those who think they don't have dukkha. They're the real fools. So the intoxication of power, they think they're hmm really, really well. Actually, they're in even more dukkha than those who acknowledge their dukkha. So uh, going on, two passages, so Matthew seven twelve, Luke six thirty-one, do to others what you want them to do to you. This is the meaning of the law of Moses and the teaching of the prophets. And that's the affirmative. Do to them what you want them and as ye would that men should do to you do ye also to them likewise all that old english phrasing is unneeded actually uh as you would have men or others treat you treat them that way treat them likewise as you would have people treat you treat them likewise again that's the affirmative and and yeshua is very much you can say perhaps that humanity had been a little, evolved a little bit from the BC periods to Yeshua's appearance, that humanity was a little bit more capable of doing rightly and therefore a little bit less needing um, or not needing as much as before the exclusive teaching of don't do harm and could be trusted to do good. Maybe humanity had a little more capacity um, at that point. Then, from Luke 10, 25, 28, Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal, eternal life? Yeshua said to him, What is writ- what is written in the law? How do you read it? That's Socratic method. He answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, that's number one, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your might, And then, number two, love your neighbor as yourself. Yeshua said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Live is meaning, uh, I mean, (laughs) uh, uh, it's not the way Christians think of it, as far as I can tell. (laughs) Live means uh, harvest of fourth density and no longer need corporeality and the death of physical embodiment because you won't need to recycle in third density. The end of 3D. Uh, required incarnation that's live and that's uh, not the deathless that Gautama spoke of which is the end of the octave or the end of, of freedom from becoming freedom from the uh, belief that I am light and realizing that I is source uh, all there is a source and I is this source as well Paramatman uh, Rather than that, <laughs> this live means uh, no longer have to experience corporeal death, it seems to me. Uh, then, parable of the Good Samaritan, anyone in need is your neighbor or anyone. Uh, Paul, who didn't have the same potency as Yeshua, said, For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. It's not all the law. It's actually the second law. And then... uh, Love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, But people don't really know what love is. (laughs) So it's a little... uh, uh, Unpacked or a little... um, Unrefined, that teaching. Uh, I think we're going to have to end here. At the unrefined. Um, But love is key however love is not exactly how most people think of it love equals green ray so if you want to know what love is do a deep dive into the meaning of green ray fourth chakra anahata chakra from various traditions uh, hindu vedanta yoga you know the yogic traditions and the raw material and theosophy and see what you think a, even esoteric Buddhism has something to say about it so next time we'll look at the middle of the page here starting on the Islamic perspective uh, the, the aspect of Islamic ethics uh, that is associated with, with what's called here the golden rule and then after that we'll get into um, Baha'i and back to Hinduism and Buddhism and Jainism Sikhism Wang Lao Tan, meaning Taoism. Moism, I'll take a pass on. And um, that'll be it for the page. But and actually, that'll be it for the summary of approaches. But then we'll go down. I want to explain to the <coughs> um, criticisms, <laughs> or um, science and economics, or the philosophical basis. And then criticism, write reasonable criticisms from Kant and Nietzsche. And then we get to the question of moral basis, meaning why act this way? Um, there are... Uh, it needs a bit of refinement to to operationalize the Golden Rule, and, and as well as acknowledging that there are three versions of it, or three types of usage, uses. One is affirmative, one is prohibitive, and one is sort of empathetic or... Um, heart resonant with so i hope this was helpful it's certainly interesting material and um, i hope everybody is well and had a good thanksgiving if you celebrate such or give thanks if you can appreciate uh take good care of yourselves see you next time and good night